Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Hello everyone and welcome to our Teaching Tuesday session on unwrapping your gift. And uh, we're going to talk a bit about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, particularly from um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to 14, uh, where Paul covers it, but also other places in the Bible like Romans 12 and some other uh, spots that have to do with that as well. And I remember the first time I came in contact with the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, it was quite a surprise, but also a pleasant surprise. I was raised in the Dutch Reformed Church and, you know, growing up, I attended probably about three different Dutch Reformed churches. And, um, yeah, in those days, at least, um, the, the churches that I attended, I never heard anything about the gifts. Uh, it was never even mentioned, referred to, um, no scriptures about it were ever read as far as I, as I know. And, um, I went to church quite regularly. My, my parents even took us to church when they didn't go, they would just go and drop us up at Sunday school sometimes, but we, we were at church almost every Sunday. And, uh, so when I got to, uh, what we called standard nine, uh, grade 11, uh, one of my friends, uh, his brother got saved in Stellenbosch in Shofar. And, uh, through him, we sort of came to contact with the gifts of the spirit and, uh, it was a big surprise to us. We knew absolutely nothing, but uh, we started reading the book of Acts and seeing all these things, you know, tongues and prophecy and healing and all kinds of weird and wonderful things that we knew nothing about that no one had ever taught us about. And we had what uh, was probably basically a small group that met on um, during, during break times. We had a, a short break and a long break. And during the long break, uh, we'd meet and just pray together. So, I mean, we didn't even know about small group, but it was basically a small group and we'd pray for each other. And uh, slowly but surely, we started experiencing these, what First uh, Corinthians 12 or 7 calls the manifestations of the Spirit. And what makes it quite precious to me is that, um, you know, we, we didn't have someone teaching us or someone showing us or someone manipulating us into this. We knew nothing. We had the barest exposure and we only basically knew what we read in scripture and, and we basically thought to ourselves okay well let's try it let's try what we read in scripture let's experiment with it let's also lay hands on one another as we see people doing in in scripture and let's see what happens and you know pretty much exactly what happened in scripture happened to us and we started experiencing the, the manifestations of the spirit and it was a very powerful and, and, and very exciting time for for us and so i just want to share a few thoughts from particularly um Paul's letter in 1 Corinthians uh, with you. Let me just see if I can share my screen here with you. Um, you, you have the notes um, that we shared on, on, the, uh, on the chat. And I'm just going to share, share them on my screen as well. So we're talking about unwrapping your, your gifts. And uh, uh, there's this old saying, if you reject the, the gift, you reject the giver. And uh, one way in which we can show our our love for God and, and um, our appreciation to God is to actually receive the gifts that he gives us. And um, so we want to talk a bit about understanding and developing our spiritual gifts. And we're just going to do sort of a helicopter flight over the different gifts. Um, and uh, just two things in first Corinthians 12 to 14 that, that Paul sort of um, commands us to avoid. Um, and, and that is number one, let me see if I can highlight this as well. There we go. Number one, um, he, he wants us to avoid ignorance. Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant. He's, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. 
uh, in other words, I don't want you to be ignorant. Um, but notice that he says, um, now concerning the gifts of the Spirit, and, and the, like I said, the next three chapters could uh, go about that. Uh, he says, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. So Paul is presupposing that, that uh, you know, people are born again into the family of God. You need to be born again, born of the Spirit into the family of God. You need to be, uh, God needs to be your father and, 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 and you need, you know, we need to be brothers and sisters in his family um, for the gifts to be operative. Uh, obviously there are false gifts there and, and, and Paul actually talks about them um, and part of what we must be not to be ignorant of is, is the fact that you get the true gift, you get true prophecy which says Jesus is Lord if you look in, in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 12 but you also get the false prophecy uh, basically demonic prophecy which says Jesus is accursed and um, so Paul doesn't want us to be um, ignorant of that and, and obviously false gifts are available to people who are not part of the church but um, only two brothers and sisters are the true gifts of, of, of the Spirit available. So the first thing that, that, that Paul says to us is, you know, don't be ignorant of the gifts. Um, and I think many times one of the main reasons why we as modern Christians don't know our gifts and don't um, exercise our gifts regularly enough is because, you know, we, we, we're ignorant of the gifts. We don't know what the gifts are. And so, you know, sometimes the gifts might even manifest in our lives, but we don't have any frame of reference from which to recognize them. We, we don't know what they are. We don't know what to expect. So we don't recognize them as, as the gifts when they, when they come. And I think many people don't know or are uncertain what the spiritual gifts are because of that. And then the second thing uh, Paul commands us to avoid is in, in the first verse of, of chapter 14. And he says, don't be indifferent. Okay, regarding firstly the gifts and, and secondly people. Um, so it says in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. So he says, follow the, the way of love. In other words, don't be indifferent to people. Uh, in, in fact, um, love is, and, and that's why the love chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter, precedes and is sandwiched between 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, which deal with the gifts of the Spirit. Because um, the only legitimate motive behind um, exercising the gifts is love. And we shouldn't be indifferent to people. And if, we're not, if we love people and we're not indifferent to them, then we'll desire the spiritual gifts because we'll desire to, um, to minister to people um, in a way that is more powerful than we are able to, to do in our own strength. So first he says, don't be indifferent towards people, love people, but then also don't be different towards a gift eagerly desire um, the gifts of the spirit eagerly desire them so don't don't be passive towards them don't be indifferent towards them uh, don't just say okay yeah i believe in the gifts but it's not enough just to believe in the gifts we must eagerly or earnestly desire the gifts we must want them and if we love people then we will earnestly desire the spiritual gifts because we'll want to love them well and the gifts of the holy spirit um, the, the, the supernatural empowerment of the holy spirit the manifestations of the spirit as these verses call, call, call it, uh, is, is nothing other than a way to love people well. Um, and then just the third thing I, I want to share with you is um, um, this, that, um, you know, if you just look at this diagram over here, the, the best place uh, to, to do our work, and, and this is true, you know, if you, 
you want to know what, what your calling is and what you need to focus on in any, in any given time in your life. Or the best place to do ministries and the overlap of, of our desire, our ability, uh, the need of people that we minister to and, and opportunities uh, that we have. So, so uh, we minister our gifts, both the natural and the supernatural gifts, the overlap of desire, ability, need, and opportunity. <coughs> Excuse me. Where those four things overlap. And that's why it's important for us to desire spiritual gifts and to, to develop the ability to operate in the spiritual gifts. And just like you might have a natural desire for sport, but you still need to develop that into an ability. So even with the spiritual gifts, you, you might have a supernatural gifting from the Holy Spirit to say, for example, be able to prophesy. But you need to develop that ability um, and, and grain your confidence in it by, by learning to hear well from God, or hear well from the Holy Spirit. And then people's needs are there, look, being insensitive to people's needs and looking out for them um, so we can minister into them and then, and then just also opportunities. So in the overlap of those over here is where, where effective ministry happens. So let's just um, take a little walk through the gifts uh, and, and look at uh, some not definitions, but descriptions of the gifts and some relevant uh, scriptures that, that tell us what the gifts are about and some examples uh, from scripture where we're relevant. Um, first about prophecy. And then he says, um, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And many people, I think, mistakenly think that Prophecy is the ability to fathom. Now, it's, I think it's, it's two gifts spoken of here. The gift of prophecy, which is to fathom wisdom, mysteries and knowledge, and then the gift of faith, which can move mountains. But I think he's actually talking about multiple gifts here. The gift of prophecy, then the gift of word of wisdom, the ability to fathom mysteries, and then the gift of the word of knowledge, um, the, the ability to fathom or, or know all knowledge. And so um, I think the... The message of wisdom is, is firstly the ability to understand mysteries and then to communicate it effectively, either by arguing persuasively for the gospel or to give for wise counsel. And I think that the clearest examples of that, firstly, it's, it's predicted by Jesus. If you, if you go and look in Luke chapter 12, um, verse, let me just turn there, verse 11 and 12, it says, uh, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Okay, so they, it talks about the Holy Spirit teaching us what we should say um, in, in, a, in a conflict situation. And in chapter 21, Luke 21 from verse 13, it says, um, and so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand about how to defend yourselves, for I will give you words and wisdom. Notice they're talking about wisdom. Words and wisdom that none of your adversaries, brothers, uh, none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So he's talking about words, which is logos, uh, message, and wisdom. So using the very same words. And then we actually see probably the best example for that in scripture is found in Acts chapter 6, verse 9, 9 to 10, where it says at the end of verse 10, the Jews 
um, who began to argue with Stephen. That, uh, uh, and then it says in verse 10, but they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And I think there is the clearest uh, and most obvious example of someone operating in the message of wisdom or the, the utterance of wisdom or the word of wisdom, whatever you want to call it. So he was persuasively arguing um, for the gospel, for the, tr uh, for, for, for the truth of the gospel and for Jesus as the Messiah um, to, to Jews who didn't believe in Jesus and they couldn't resist the wisdom that the Spirit gave him um, to speak with. And all of that was in fulfillment prophecies that Jesus makes in Luke 12 and Luke 21. Okay, then the second gift is a message of knowledge or teaching. Uh, now, interestingly enough, most Pentecostal charismatic Christians would see word of knowledge as a kind of gift of revelation where you have knowledge of what's going on in someone's life uh, and, and then that knowledge is supernaturally revealed to you. Um, the problem is if you ask people why they place that definition um, upon that phrase, word of knowledge, um, I, I haven't heard anyone give me a persuasive answer for that. And like I said, that, that definition comes almost exactly from Kenneth Hagin's writing, and he didn't try and base it on scripture either. Um, but when you do try and base it on scripture, there are quite a few scriptures that deal with, uh, with this issue. The first one is, um, so let me read the definition of the, of, the, um, of, of, of the gift first, or my definition of it. Uh, so message of, of knowledge or teaching uh, is also a gift of communication by which the Spirit enables a Christian to understand knowledge and preach or teach it effectively uh, with anointing. And interestingly enough, this, if you go and read the book of Acts, the most common gift, the most common manifestation of the Spirit found in the book of Acts is the anointed preaching and teaching of the Word. Um, and ironically, the traditional way in which um, we as Pentecostal Charismatic Christians define uh, the, the, the nine gifts found in, in 1 Corinthians 12 there's no actual gift that covers anointed preaching and teaching, which, which is strange if you think that that's the most common one found in the book of Acts. But I think the reason for that is because um, we have traditionally taken a legitimate gift and put it, um, the wrong label on it. So we've, we've taken an aspect of prophecy, which is the re revelatory gift, which we'll get to just now, and we've called it the word of knowledge or, or message of knowledge. Um, and, and I think it, it's so common in Pentecostal charismatic um, circles that, that many of you probably do it without even thinking about it. Um, but let's just go and look at if we can maybe try, try and find a, a, a more um, biblical definition for, for this gift. So in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2, it says... Um, We'll just get back to that passage. First Corinthians 13 verse 2. It says, if I have a gift of prophecy, so that's prophecy, and can fathom all mysteries, and, and, and I was um, proposing that that is um, the word of, of or message of wisdom, the ability to understand mysteries and communicate them, um, and all knowledge, the ability to fathom or, or know all knowledge. And, and I propose to you that that is actually the, the gift of the message of knowledge which um, I think is a form of, of, of teaching. Um, so you can also see the gifts. Uh, and, and 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 
mentions a whole lot of gifts, not only those in, in, in chapter 12, but uh, or in the beginning of chapter 12, but also at the end of chapter 12 and then throughout chapter um, 13 and 14 as well. And often it will mention the same gift in different words so that you can sort of see what, what, it, what it means. And, and, and um, I'm going to show you that in a moment. Firstly, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, it says, uh, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction. Uh, literally there, I think the word is didache, um, a teaching, um, or revelation. The, the Greek word is apocalypsis. Uh, or a tongue or interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So notice here he mentions uh, a teaching, a word of instruction. Um, so so uh, that's where I get the word teaching. Now, an interesting verse is, is um, verse 6, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. And, and allow me just for a moment while I'm talking about the message of knowledge, just to jump ahead to prophecy over here. Um, so, so prophecy is one of the more well-attested gifts by far in, in, in the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament. And I define it or describe it here as the reception, of, uh, the reception and communication of invasive revelation. Uh, and it can be past, knowledge of the past, knowledge of the presence, and, and, or, and or knowledge of the future. Um, 1 Corinthians uh, 14 verse 25 to 26 talks about that. I'll, I'll read that in a moment. Um, as well and you get lots of examples of that um, in the Bible but but why do I say that that um, that prophecy is a form of revelation let me just uh, read that to you in 1st Corinthians 14 from verse 24 it says but even unbeliever or inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying so we're talking about the gift of prophecy here they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, are revealed in other words. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really among you. And, and so we see the revelation of people's hearts. And then it goes on and it, it says in verse 26, and whenever you come together, um, each of you, and, and notice the each there. I, I just want to highlight that just for a moment. First uh, Corinthians 14 verse 26 um, says what chapter 12 verse 7 and 11 also say to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. When you come together, each of you, not some of you, each of you has something to give, something inspired by the Spirit, something empowered by the Spirit to offer, some form of ministry um, to offer to one another. And, and, and therefore, I, I just want to just say this, and I, I pray that the Holy Spirit where he is right there with you and in you, where you, wherever you are sitting, that he'll really convict you of this truth, that you have something to give because you are part of the each. You are, you are one of the each and, and you have something to give. Um, there's something that the Holy Spirit wants to, there's some way in which the Holy Spirit wants to build up the body of Christ through you. And it's important that we realize that. So, so if, if you aren't operating in the gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to uh, manifest through you, then there are some things that are going to go undone in the church. Then there are going to be some blessings that are going to be unreceived. There's going to be some growth that's going to be stunted in the body of Christ because the contribution that the Holy Spirit wants to make through you is not happening. 
And therefore, I just want to ask you, just right there where you are, just for a minute, just say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you do want to manifest yourself um, even through me and also through me. And please, please do it. Lord, I, I surrender myself to you and I, and I pray, Lord, that you will um, build up the church, the body um, through me. I'll just give you 30 seconds or a minute just to pray that. Yes, Holy Spirit, we just thank you, Lord, that, Lord, no one, no one of us should be excluded from the gifts, Lord, and that the gifts, Lord, are available to each of us, and that when we come together, whether it's actually or virtually, Lord, each of us should have something to give, and, and I just pray in Jesus' name that, um, that you will convict us of that and that each of us will desire the spiritual gifts and 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 love other people so much that we want to want to see you manifest yourself through us to others in order to build up your church in jesus name and then it goes on in um first corinthians 14 from verse 29 says two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said so it's very important that the the gifts get tested uh, and in fact the the church the brothers and sisters of the church because it says what what shall i say brothers and sisters when you come together as a church in other words when we come together as a church it's a safe place for us to exercise the gifts and even make mistakes because um those who are more experienced and more mature can actually test the gifts um, and if you make a mistake it's not going to do permanent damage uh, so you can you can exercise the gifts and even experiment with the gifts um, with, a, with the assurance that, that there are people checking up um, and if you make a mistake, they will lovingly um, show you the mistake and then, and then correct you and, 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 and make sure that you grow and learn in the gifts and, and become more and more progressively more accurate in the gifts. Verse uh, 30 then says, and if a revelation, so he's talking about you know, prophets, if two or three prophets should speak and the, others, the other prophets should caref, uh, judge carefully or weigh carefully what he said, and then he says, and if a revelation, note that word revelation, if a revelation comes to someone, now it's one of the other prophets uh, who is sitting down, the first speaker, the first prophet should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The, spirit, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of prophets. You know, uh, you know what they mean is um, the spirits of, of prophets must be judged the prophecy must be judged by other prophets um, to to be safe and to be legitimate because we recognize that there's also the the, the counterfeit gifts the, the false prophecy but notice what, what he says here. it's talking about prophecy and he says if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down and and that is is um, very telling about how Paul sees prophecy he sees it as I described here mm, let me just get the verse here in terms or as an invasive revelation now many churches who um don't believe in the 
gifts of the Spirit, we define prophecy merely as preaching, the preaching of the word. Uh, but clearly, you know, it's, they'll define it as a prepared message from scripture that someone brings to the church that, you know, they would say that that is prophecy. But clearly, Paul's idea of prophecy was something different because he's saying one prophet is prophesying. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, without the other person preparing a message, that other person sitting by, the other prophet sitting by receives a revelation, what he calls a revelation. And then he stands up and he starts prophesying or speaking on behalf of God. So it's, it's the reception and communication of invasive prophecy, of invasive revelation. In other words, another way of, that Paul speaks of prophecy is revelation. Uh, and that, that brings me back um, to, to what we were talking about uh, here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. Um, he says, uh, whenever you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a teaching, in other words, or a revelation. So there he's talking about prophecy. Okay. And then we'll see, yeah, he's also talking about prophecy in first Corinthians 14 to six. So bear with me. I just want to show you how this defines both uh, prophecy or shows us um, what, what the word of knowledge is. Cause we're going to jump back to that in a moment. It says now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring to you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Now, notice what Paul does here. And I, I actually wish I'd, um, I'd sort of um, put that, that verse down there. In fact, let me, let me copy it for us and, and just um, put it in there so you, can, so you can see it. But what Paul is doing here is he's using a, a, a technique that he uses very often in his writings called uh, parallelism, where, where he says different, uh, the same thing in different ways. Um, that together um, where he says the same thing in, in, in different words and the different words mutually interpret and explain one another so let me just uh, paste that in here excuse me There we go. I hope you can still see the, see the screen. So look at what Paul says. He says, unless I bring to you revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction. So notice what he does here. Um, we, we've just seen that prophecy and revelation are the same thing. That means that knowledge and word of instruction must be the same thing. So he says revelation and knowledge. And then parallel to that, he says the same thing, prophecy, which is the same as revelation and word of instruction, which is the same as knowledge. So he's speaking in parallelism here and he's using different words to say the same thing and therefore mutually interpret one another. Therefore, if prophecy is revelation, then knowledge or word of knowledge is a word of instruction or a teaching. And that's where I get my definition or my description, actually, of the message of knowledge as teaching. The gift of communication, a gift of communication by which the spirit enables a Christian to understand knowledge, to fathom all knowledge, as we saw over here, fathom all knowledge, and to preach or teach it effectively with anointing. In other words, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
Okay. So we've spoken about three gifts now. We've spoken about message of wisdom, message of knowledge, and they're not complete. We've spoken a bit about prophecy. So I just want to take a, a quick break here, and I want to ask uh, Mezen. Mezen, are you, are you with us? Uh, I just want to ask Mezen to actually share a bit of a testimony uh, with us. Sure. Um, Hi, Mezen. Hi. So, um, yeah, just a quick, quick testimony. Something that, um, that Andre and I do quite regularly is just spend time in prayer for um, specific people on a weekly basis. And um, often in, in those times of prayer, God reveals specific things um, pertaining to the people that we're praying for. And I see um, Stephen is actually on the group chat, so he can he can verify this. Um, but the one the one morning that we were praying um, for Stephen, um, God just revealed that um, just a, a random word just said that um, that Stephen works in a farm in in KwaZulu Natal, and um, Stephen can give more background to this, but. When we were praying, we really just felt um, God just showed me the, a valley, a picture of a valley with lots of trees and rivers, and um, and I just felt God saying that um, to encourage Stephen that his provision, their provision for the project will come from the valley. I I didn't know what that would mean, what the explanation was for that, um, and then when we shared it with with Stephen, he he just explained that um, the valley is a border between the farms that they're doing projects on and the people living in the valley are actually quite um, affluent and um, have a lot of resources to share to to um, provide for the projects that they're busy with yeah so that was just um, something short that that a way that God spoke to us when we were praying um, for for a specific person, even though we weren't with him, and even though we didn't have full context for what what was said, uh, just a practical word for for him to encourage him. Yeah, I know a bit about um, Stephen's project on the farm and how he wants to do community development, and and I can imagine that would have been a word in season for him. So, um, obviously, Mizen, you you operate sometimes in the um, in the gift of prophecy. Um, yeah. Maybe. You can just oh, I see yes Stephen Stephen do you want to maybe just add a little bit to that because you were sort of on the receiving end of of that prophetic word or that vision do you maybe want to add a your two cents um Henny, absolutely when when she said it to me you know the idea of of provision made no sense at all but the description of the valley and this vivid imagery that that Mezen shared it was just plug and play for me. I knew precisely what she was talking about. And you know, that was before we went into lockdown. Um, and Mezen doesn't know this, but in the last two days, we've been, uh, we've delivered 20,000 meals into the surrounding communities. And some of that provision has come from, from the valley. Um, so it's, it, it's been a, it's been a, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind last few days. It's, and also you can see I need a haircut. Um, we've no hairdressers out here, but, um, yeah, it, it really was a very strong 
word of encouragement and, and, and I felt it resonate with me and it just gave me such hope to, to cling to. And uh, we got down here and there's been a need and we got activated. And, and to be honest, I think it's just getting started. Um, um, but I think if I hadn't have had that encouragement, I may have been a bit lethargic about, about rolling up my sleeves and, and making contact with people that have, that have been, been making resources available. Amen. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, thank you, Stephen. That's so encouraging. And First uh, Corinthians 14 verse 3 says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouraging and comfort. And that's exactly what you're describing now, what you experienced when, um, when uh, Mezen spoke that word of prophecy to you. You were strengthening and encouraged by it and activated by it. Uh, Mezen, maybe you can also just quickly say, um, what are the different forms in which the prophetic gift manifests itself in your life? Um, so, oftentimes when I'm praying for someone or um, then God will either lay a scripture on my heart or just give me a, a, a picture or a vision. Um, sometimes it's random. Sometimes it's something that I understand. Um, sometimes the picture correlates with the scripture. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, sometimes I understand what the word that like say it's a random word like like now provision from the valley sometimes i understand what that means sometimes i have no reference for for what that is um and oftentimes even in dreams then you know then i'll, I'll have a, a dream about someone and wake up and feel um quite an urgency on my heart to to pray and ask god what the dream means or if i should share the dream or not um even even times in in worship, then like a word would come into my head, or God would lay someone on my heart, or um, yeah, many different forms. Yeah, Does just, that just things that yeah. Thank you, uh, Mizan. That's that's very helpful. Just notice a few things that Mizan said. Um, firstly, that very often prophetic gift manifests itself when while she's praying or while she's worshiping. And that is critical to notice. That's extremely important. If you want to operate in the gifts, you've got to pray a lot. You've got to worship a lot. Because when we enter into God's presence, when we make ourselves aware of God's presence, that's when the Holy Spirit starts to manifest himself through us uh, in all earnest. So if you, if you want to learn the gifts, I, I cannot recommend coming to intercession highly enough. If you want to know, learn how to flow in the gifts, then intercession is a very good place to do that. Um, when you're praying together, when, when we're praying together, um, that's often when the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in us and through us. And, and often what will happen is that he'll show you something and then someone else will pray exactly what he showed you. And then you know you have confirmation. Yes, I am hearing from the Lord. And that's what it feels like to hear from the Lord. So that's the one thing. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you want to operate in the gifts and especially the gift of prophecy, pray a lot and worship a lot. Spend a lot of time in God's presence. And the second thing is notice the different ways in which the prophetic gift manifests. And, and many of you will, will have experienced this as well. Uh, Mizen spoke about dreams, about vision. Sometimes it comes as a dream while you're sleeping in the night. Sometimes it comes as a vision, a, a picture or a, a movie playing in your head, basically. Sometimes it, become, it comes as an impression or sometimes just as a word or a message or a, or a couple of words, um, a few words. Um, Sometimes it comes as a scripture, a specific scripture that the Lord lays on your heart that is 
particularly relevant to someone at, at a particular time. So that gift of prophecy is a very diverse gift that can manifest in all kinds of different ways. And um, yeah, so different people, for different people, it's in, uh, it manifests in different ways. Um, I, I have a, a bit of a gift of prophecy as well. And, and mine, I, I don't get many dreams and visions and stuff, but when I pray for people, when I lay hands on people and pray for them, often the Holy Spirit will show me things about them and I'll just pray things about them. And then afterwards they ask me, you know, how did you know that about me? And I, I'll say, no, I didn't. Uh, the Holy Spirit just led me to pray that. Um, so that's the way in which mine operates. Um, I remember just to give you one more example of prophecy, since we're speaking of that, um, a couple of years ago, um, can't remember how long ago, it was just after um, Heinrich left to go to Somerset West and I came up to, to Johannesburg. Heinrich came to visit in Joburg again. It might have been a year after that or so. Um, and he was just sort of, a, I think, helping to pass the, starting to help to pass the in, in, in Somerset West. And Lauren um, came to me, Lauren Cronier, and she said to me, we must go and pray for Heinrich because he's going to be the next leader of Shofar. And I was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> what's going on here? I didn't, uh, that's a little bit awkward. Um, you know, I was part of the National uh, Council and, and there was no, no talk at that stage of Fred stepping down at all. Um, and in any case, uh, you know, I've said, okay, Lauren, I, I trust you. I trust your gift. And, and so we went and we prayed for, for Heinrich. We anointed him. And I think it was a year or maybe a bit less or a bit more later. Uh, and, and God, things had changed and God had made him the new leader of Shofar. And, and as you know, he is now the new leader of Shofar. So that's just an example of, um, of prophecy. Okay, so uh, let me share my screen with you guys again. And uh, just get my notes up here. And let's, let's keep going through the, through the gifts. I'll, I'm, like I said, I'm going to give you um, opportunity to, to ask questions and make comments um, at the end. Um, the next gift is a gift of faith. Now, um, this is a, a special measure of faith over and above the ordinary that enables Christian, a Christian to trust God for miraculous intervention like moving in mountains. And I get that from... 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2 as well, where it talks about, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but don't have love, you know, um, what benefit is that to me? So, so the kind of faith that he's talking about here is the, is, is the, is the kind of faith, the gift of faith is the kind of faith that, that move mount, moves mountains, a, a miraculous faith. Um, and this one and the previous um, definitions begs a question, if, you, if you're thinking about it carefully, uh, what is the relation to between natural ability and um, supernatural spiritual gifts? Because all Christians obviously must have faith in order to be Christians. And even people who are not Christians also have also use faith every day. Every time you go and sit on a chair, you're putting your faith, your, your trust in that chair that it will be able to carry your weight. Every time you cross a green traffic light, you're trusting the traffic coming from the other side that they will stop at the red traffic light. Um, so you use trust on a very basic natural level every day. And then we also use faith or trust to put our trust in Jesus and to, to get born again. 
So, so what's the relation there? If, if trust or faith is something that anyone can do, what is the relationship between natural trust, if I can put it that way, and then supernatural trust or supernatural faith, the, uh, the faith as a gift? And, and, and that's why I say, uh, you know, it's over and above um, the ordinary. Um, but that also shows us that the gifts of the Spirit are not supernatural gifts that are necessarily, in all cases, divorced from natural abilities. Because someone might have a natural teaching ability, for example, but that doesn't mean they necessarily have a gift of teaching. I mean, someone might be a, a non-believer, someone who's, who's not a believer, but they, but they have the ability to teach well. They might even be a teacher. Um, but when they get saved, when they get uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, that natural gifting of, of teaching might, go, uh, that natural ability of teaching might um, actually be, also be, be I almost want to say, supplemented um, by a spirit empowering that all of a sudden doesn't just make them a good teacher, but an anointed teacher, where they now have an anointing to, to teach with. But that means that, um, you know, the, the, the natural and the supernatural aren't necessarily completely divorced from one another. And, and we'll see this in some other gifts as well. Obviously, in certain gifts like healing or prophecy, um, there is no natural equivalent. Um, you know, there's, there's, I don't think there's a natural equivalent to, to, to prophecy. Um, so, you know, for some gifts, there, there is no sort of correlation with a natural ability. But with some gifts, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is poured out even on a natural ability. So faith is a natural ability that we have. But this faith is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is poured out on that faith to sort of supercharge it and to make it a spiritual gift, not just a natural ability. So some examples of that. And um, I mean, sometimes it's difficult to distinguish between when is something a gift of faith? When is it a, a gift of miracles? When is it the gift of healing? So, um, you know, these examples that I, that I give, um, you know, might be debatable. But Elijah praying for drought and then again for rain in 1 Kings 17 verse 1 and 18 verse 1, uh, which is then referred to in James chapter 5 verse 16 and, uh, to 18, might be a, a good example of, um, the gift of faith. Um, also, the healing of the paralytic when Peter and John go into the temple in Acts chapter 3, the beginning of Acts chapter 3, might, you, you could say it's healing, but you could also say it's faith because if you're going to read chapter 4, verse 8 to 22, Peter, I think, more than once says that it's by faith in Jesus Christ that this man was healed. So it might, might have been the operation um, specifically of the gift of. Um, faith there let me just read you another example in acts 14 uh, that might be an example of this verse 8 to 9 it says in lystra there was a man who was lame this is uh, acts 14 from verse 8 he had been that way from birth and had never walked he listened to paul as he was speaking and paul looked directly at him saw that he had faith to be healed and called out Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Um, so you, you might have two gifts um, operating there. Firstly, Paul might be operating in the gifts of discerning of spirits because he's discerning that this guy has faith, has a spirit of faith. But secondly, it, it might be the, the gift of um, 
faith operating there, or it might be the gift of healing. One of those two that we have here in Acts 14, verse 8 and 9. Then we have gifts of healing, and, and literally um, these are gifts, plural, of healings. That, that should, uh, both of those, both gifts and healing should be plural. Uh, so gifts of um, supernatural physical healing for, for different and specific circumstances. Now, there are two ways of interpreting that. Um, and um, I, I cannot say that I can tell you which one of those two are, are better. But one is that each individual healing is an individual gift of healing. So the Holy Spirit gives you specific gifts of healing if you have these gifts for specific people and for the diseases or ailments um, that they have. Uh, that's the one view. The other view is that, you know, you could have a gift of healing for lame people, or you can have a gift of healing for cancer, or you can have a gift of healing for, for diabetes, or you can have a gift of healing for, you know, for a specific disease, in other words, or ailment, that, you know, anyone who has that disease or ailment, uh, you can pray for them and they can be healed. So it's either one of those two. I, I sort of lean more towards the first option, um, but um, I'm not, I'm not sure. There, there are obviously many examples of that in, in, in the Bible. Let me just maybe read two examples in, in Acts chapter 9. Uh, I think they, they're very nice examples. Acts chapter 9, verse uh, 17 to 18. It says, um, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Now, Ananias was a guy who prayed for Saul when he got saved and when he became Paul. And... Um, he placed his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again. Because remember, Paul was struck blind and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fall from, fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and he was baptized, etc. So here we have um, Ananias coming and we see he, 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 firstly, he's not an apostle. Um, but he's operating in a gift of healing that God gave him. God specifically sent him. And that's one of the reasons why I say um, probably in my opinion, a gift of healing is a, a, a healing for a specific person and for a specific ailment that uh, that person has. So, so each individual healing is an individual gift of healing uh, in my, uh, in my opinion. And notice that Ananias wasn't a, an apostle or anything like that. He was just a normal disciple and God used him in this gift of healing and he can use us. Uh, in that way as well. Another example later in the chapter, in verse 32 to 35, it says, And as Peter traveled about the country, he went and visited the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. Uh, they found a man named uh, Aeneas, uh, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, uh, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, roll up your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up, uh, and all those who live in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And uh, another just very powerful um, instance of the gift of healing that, that uh, Peter operates in. And, and what we see is that the gift of healing in this case does what many, many times the gifts do. They open up people's hearts to receive the gospel and to turn to the Lord because they see the reality of the Lord by the spirit of the Lord manifesting through people and doing things that are supernatural in a way that cannot be denied. Um, and that often helps people to turn to the Lord. So the gifts do not save people, but the gifts often, often open up people's hearts um, so that 
they can be saved through believing the gospel? No. Oh, yes. Someone have a question? Okay. So I'll go on. Um, the next gift is miraculous powers. First uh, Corinthians twelve ten. The ability to work miracles. Uh, that's what First um, Corinthians um, twelve verse twenty nine calls it. The ability to quote unquote work miracles, also called signs and wonders, by uh, temporarily suspending or superseding the laws of nature. Um, you in Acts two verse forty two it says that many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And here there are many examples. I'm, I'm just going to refer to them. I'm not going to read them. But um, uh, in the Old Testament, there's, there's that example of the axe head floating. Now, obviously, metal is more dense than water. And we know metal does not float. The axe head does not float on water. But uh, the axe head in those days were very, was very precious. Metal was very difficult to come by. And uh, when, when they'd lost that axe head in the river, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great loss, a severe loss to them. And they, they, they told the prophet, I can even remember where it was, Elijah or Elisha. And um, he did this miracle and the, the axe head floated on the water and they could go and pick it up and, and put it back on the axe. Jesus's multiplication of the fish and the bread and turning water into wine and raising Lazarus. These are all workings of miracle, miracles. Um, also in um, Acts 9, verse 36 to 42, Peter's raising of uh, Dorcas from the dead. Let me just read that. And it says um, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In the Greek, her name is uh, Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. Uh, and then they tell her about the fact that she passed away. Um, and then Peter went with them in verse 39. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothes that Dorcas had made while she was still with him. Peter went, uh, sent them all out uh, of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. And here again, we see the connection between the manifestations of the Spirit and prayer. If we, if we want to experience the manifestation of the Spirit often, then we need to pray often. Uh, turning towards the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. And then he took her down and showed it to the people. And once again, many people turned to the Lord and believed in the Lord because of this miracle. Um, and, and that's a, just an example. I, I think probably uh, uh, Acts 13, verse 9 to 11, where Elimus, the, um, the false prophet, um, uh, gets sort of struck with blindness is also an example of working on miracles. We already referred to the gift of prophecy as the reception and communication of invasive revelation it can relate to past, present, or future. Um, few, we read a few scriptures around that. Another scripture is 1 Timothy 4, verse 14, uh, where it says, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through, uh, through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Uh, and so prophecy is often used. If you want to know what what your gift is. I mean, one of the, the ways in which Timothy learned what his gift was, was that the elders, the body of elders laid hands on him and prophesied to him. And through prophecy, uh, the gift that he had or the gifts that he had were, um, you know, were activated uh, and, and, and he, or, or the, those gifts were imparted to him. Um, a few examples of, of prophecy. Um, in 
Acts 13 from verse 1 says, Now the church in Antioch, uh, now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, uh, Lucius, Manaean, and then Saul, who later became Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, uh, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And then it says the two of them sent uh, on their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia. And, and once again, we see the connection between the gifts and, and prayer. Um, you can go and read those other scriptures for yourself. They, they're also just examples. This one is maybe an interesting one. Um, you get prophecy that is foretelling, foretelling the word of God. Uh, and then prophecy that is foretelling the future. Uh, and, and this one in chapter Acts 21 is a great example of that, of foretelling the future where a prophet named Agabus comes and foretells how Paul will be arrested in Jerusalem. Um, just note that you get, you get true prophecy and you get false prophecy. In, in 1 Corinthians 12, from you know, verse 2 and 3, it talks about, um, you know, through, obviously through, the, through demonic forces saying that Jesus is accursed. And there are many examples throughout the Old and New Testament of false prophecy. So there are counterfeit gifts. Um, in, in other words, the, some of the sources of prophetic revelation are the self, the demonic, and then God. And obviously only God is the source of true prophecy. The demonic and the self are often the sources of false prophecy. So just be aware of that. Just because a thought comes into your head, we must learn to distinguish, does it come from me? Does it come from a demonic source? Does it come from God, the Holy Spirit? Okay, uh, let me do one more, and then uh, I'm just going to ask um, someone to, to, to give a testimony as well. I'm going to ask um, Cornell just to give a quick testimony. So let me just quickly do these two, uh, speaking different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. So speaking different kinds of tongues, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, the supernatural ability to speak in tongues of angels, or men, uh, so that, that comes from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, where it says, Do I speak in the tongues of angels or, uh, or men? Obviously, in Acts 2, verse 4 and 11, they are speaking in, in the tongues of men, because it, it says uh, in, in Acts 2, verse 4, they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then in verse 11, which I uh, put in here, it says, um, about the crowd who were from all over the known world, the, the Greco Roman Empire, it says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, each in, his, in, in their own tongue. And those are obviously the tongues of men uh, in that specific case. But if you read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 to 23, you'll see that there are also you know, other tongues that where it says, when I speak in a tongue, my spirit speaks and my, uh, no one understands me, but, but, in the spirit, uh, but, but I speak mysteries to God in the spirit. So that's obviously, if no one understands you, then it's not tongues of men. So that must be what we would, called tongues of angels so those are different kinds of tongues that you get and then those tongues can be interpreted both the tongues of men and of angels through the gift of interpretation of tongues um, in first corinthians 12 verse 10 it also uh, mentions interpretation of tongues the ability to interpret and explain the meaning of different kinds of unknown tongues and languages um, and that's also mentioned in, in, in these scriptures so let me first um just give Cornell, an opportunity just to uh, give a quick testament. Cornell, are you there? Um, about about um, the gift of tongues and, and I think also the gift of healing. Yes, Jenny, I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me? 
Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Go for it. Okay, well, so, so um, about, well, two years ago, me and my wife and some others from the church had the opportunity to go to Ukraine on an on a outreach. There's a church we connect with there in the west of the country that have like an annual youth camp. Their youth bracket is between 15 and 35. So it's a large bracket of um, people from all over the, the country of Ukraine and actually other countries that come there for this camp. And we, we've been there a few times and we went again two years ago. And um, it was, that mission was probably one of the toughest like I've been on. I think there was just a lot of things which, um, which made it at least the, the start of it quite tough. The last little while was some of the best days of my life, I think. But um, but at the start, one of the things was we were put into groups of, of people who came um, to, to the camp. And we were just like doing the activities with them, making food with them, building relationship with them. That was kind of our role the year is just to do lots of kind of personal ministry. But we had a problem in that, like in our group, in my Niners group, not a lot of the people spoke English. Some of them spoke no English um, at all pretty much and um and that made it quite challenging because it's hard to minister to somebody if, if you can't really communicate with them um you know it's a barrier and then also there was um there was one guy on the team the one day we had like a a water day where they built a slide that um that we all went on and at the end of the day the pastor kind of said okay guys like we're going to stop using the slide now and this guy was like well i'm just going to go one more time so he goes down and he falls and he actually tears his hamstring or I think that's what, yeah, his hamstring. And there was a physio on the camp and she actually like in, analyzed or investigated or whatever. Examined said, him. Examined him and said he, um, he had to lay still for three days and then he would probably have to go do like rehab on his muscle or whatever for a week, a few weeks or, or a month or, or whatever after. So, he, he was quite down and um the whole i think that evening that was the thursday evening the second last night we were there the whole team was kind of down god did something really amazing um that night and i don't have time to go into it now but the next day was basically the first time we we got to minister and what we did was we did like a life house skit um, at the camp and then afterwards we did worship and ministry and the first thing one of the things that happened was that this guy when he um heard we had started he couldn't be a part of the play anymore but he came up he just to help us pray for people afterwards. And then the second person he got to was just one of the campers and he asked him if he could pray for him. And the guy said, well, I know that you are injured. Can I pray for you instead? So this camper prayed for him and God healed him his leg right, right there. I remember the next day we were, we were late for our train and I remember him picking up his and his wife's bags and running after the train. Like he was, it was completely um, restored after it, after that prayer, he could just, he could walk normally from not being able to walk at all, pretty much. And then as well, while we were ministering um, Nanya, one of the girls in our, in our group came to Nanya and she, she can't speak any English, like very, very, like maybe a few words. And so Nanya didn't really know what to do. So she just kind of hugged her and started praying in the spirit. And I was sitting there as well. It lasted quite a while. And then the girl like started, started crying a bit. And then eventually after quite a few minutes she she got up and she and she left and she brought one of the girls back who could who could speak english and through this girl she asked nanya like i didn't know that you can speak russian <laughs> and we were like well that's because we can't speak russian 
And she said, well, Nanya just prayed for her for like a few minutes in, in Russian. Um, and and that, was, that was like obviously crazy for all of us because we, we, we weren't even aware that, that it had happened. Um, and yeah, I, we believe that that was the gift of, of, of speaking in tongues. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, Cornell. That's a, that's a wonderful testimony. Um, so while, while we're sharing these testimonies with you, is, um, we want you to just see um, that, that the gifts really are real and they're powerful. I mean, what, what Nanya prayed in Russian, you know, as someone who cannot speak any Russian, you know, um, what she prayed for that girl, that, that, that lady, she's going to remember it forever because she's, she's going to know this is not just, that wasn't just Nanya speaking to her. That was God speaking to her. Uh, Nanya was, was, was praying over her with the spirit was praying through Nanya. Um, and that, that's really powerful. That's, that's life changing. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to try and go through the others. I'm taking a bit longer than I, than I intended to. So I'm going to, I'm going to rush through the other, uh, gifts. Um, there's this distinguishing or discerning between spirits, uh, the supernatural ability to see into the spirit realm and discern human angelic and demonic spirits. Uh, a good example of this is Elisha and the chariots of fire in second Kings six from this, uh, 16, uh, you know, it's, it's where this army comes and surrounds Elisha and his servant, um, during the night. Uh, and then when they get up, the army's there, you know, surrounding them. And then, um, Elisha, uh, the prophet says, don't, don't be afraid. The prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see, you know, concerning his spirit. Oh, concerning his, his servant. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So um, there Elisha obviously had the gift of discerning of spirits. He could see into the spiritual realm and that's why he could tell the, the servant those who are with us are more than those who are with them because you could see them. Uh, and then he prayed for the servant to receive that same gift as well, and he, and he did. Um, Peter discerning Ananias and, and his wife Sapphira in Acts 5, 3 to 6, discerning that they were lying to the Holy Spirit and being dishonest. That's uh, a possible um, example of discerning of spirits um, over here. Uh, then also in uh, Acts 12, 23, let me just read that as well. Um, it says immediately, uh, because Herod did not pr give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down and he was eaten by worms and died. Um, and um, why I say this is a, a gift of the sending of spirits is obviously whoever was giving that testimony, whether it was Luke himself or whether it was you know, someone else in the church who later gave a testimony, the only way they could have known that an angel of the Lord struck Herod down uh, was if they had actually seen into the spiritual realm and seen the angel striking him down. Um, I always find that a, a very scary verse because notice it says he was eaten by worms and died. Not he died and was eaten by worms. That's a <laughs> very scary verse. <laughs> but whoever saw this was clearly seeing into the spirit and seeing the angel who, um, who brought this judgment on Herod. Uh, for failing to give glory to God. Okay, we already spoke then about tongues and interpretation. Uh, late in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, it talks about helping. And in Romans 12, verse 7, 
it talks about serving um, and, and those two gifts are, are related. Um, so they are deeds of help and service uh, to the church. Uh, the best example I can find in, in the Bible is in Acts 6. Well, one of the best examples in Acts 6 verse, verse 1 to uh, 7. And it says, the day, uh, in those days, the number of disciples were increasing and the Hellenistic Jews, now the Greek-speaking Jews, uh, among them complained that uh, against the Hebraic Jews, the Hebrew-speaking Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, uh, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men uh, from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. Notice that to be full of the spirit to serve. We will uh, turn our responsibility, uh, this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal uh, pleased them and then they chose people like Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Uh, and also Philip and Prochorus and those guys. So here um, is in a clear example of people who um, are required to be full of the Holy Spirit in order to help and serve in the church. And uh, we know that, that Stephen, at least, and Philip, two of them that are, that are mentioned in that list of seven, go on to also minister in all kinds of other gifts um, as well, not only helping and serving. And often... Um, helping and serving, whether it's packing chairs or helping with setup or just behind the, team, behind the scenes serving. Um, I've seen so many people who, who do that, serve faithfully um, in places where they are not seen and then the Lord starts using them uh, because they've been faithful when no one was looking. God starts using them, um, you know, in, in more prominent and more visible uh, places as well, as he did with Stephen later in the book of Acts and with Philip as well. Philip, the, who became Philip the Evangelist. Then there's the, the gift of guidance, uh, referred to in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. Um, I should just quickly um, read that as well. Um, so it says, uh, and God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, then helping, and then guidance. And different kinds of tongues. So this guidance that we're talking about here, um, the same word is, for instance, used in, and, and, and you know, your translation might translate it differently, but in Acts 27 verse 11, uh, it talks about um, the pilot of the ship, and, and the same word is used. Um, so it's someone who's the pilot, someone who directs. Uh, so that's why I have this description here. The, anoint, uh, uh, the anointing enhanced ability to guide steer, rule, govern, lead, manage, direct, be at the head of a group of people. In um, Romans 12, verse 8, it talks about leadership, and, and it's just someone who goes ahead. Um, and, and that same word is also used in, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 4 to 5. Um, just find that, uh, where it says, um, and it's talking about elders. So it says, um, that the elders must not be given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, uh, not, not a lover of money. He must manage, and that's that same word for leading, manage or lead his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. And then verse 5 says, if anyone does not know how to manage or lead his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Um, and so what we, we have here is, 
is a gift of, of guidance or leadership. Um, now, obviously, once again, people can lead and guide without um, the gift of the Spirit. And that's why I say this is an anointing enhanced ability where the anointing, where the Holy Spirit takes an um, ability to guide and to lead and just supercharges it, anoints it. So it's now anointed leading where we're leading uh, people into what God wants them to be. So there are some other scriptures here that you can also read for yourself. There's the gift of encouragement that is mentioned in Romans 12 verse 8. Uh, spirit enhanced ability to encourage. All of us can encourage. But, but people who have this gift of encouragement are characterized by it. Uh, and they can encourage and exhort people in such a way that it really affirms and lifts people up. Um, and this encouragement and exhortation can happen through affirmation and rebuke um, of the people of God. Um, Joseph, in Acts 4, verse 36 and 37, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, uh, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son, son of encouragement. Um, and if you go and read in Acts 11, verse 21 to 26, uh, you see how he exercised his gift. He, he was so, this gift was so prominent in his life that they gave him a nickname that reflected the gift of encouragement upon his life. Uh, and, and he exercises that gift in Acts 11 where he encourages the church. And then he also goes and finds Saul, who then later becomes Paul, and encourages him to, to, um, to come and minister with him in Antioch. They have a gift of, he, of giving the spirit-empowered ability to make money and or distribute resources wisely and generously in the kingdom. Mentioned uh, a relevant verse is, is Romans 12, verse 13. Um, I think Lydia, mentioned in Acts chapter 16, is an example of this because uh, the Philippian church, we're going to read Philippians 1, verse 1 to 6, and 4, verse 10 to 20. They were the church that supported Paul most in his missionary journey. And Lydia was, was obviously a wealthy woman uh, and, and she was the first convert in Philippi. And, and I think the anointing that was upon her of, of giving uh, ended up, because of a prominent role in that church as the first convert of that church, ended up characterizing the whole church in, uh, of, of Philippi. And they became a church with a gift of giving. Uh, and they supported Paul and, and, and many, if not most, of the church planting work that Paul did. And Paul even says that that, that will be credited to their account. Uh, whatever he does, because of their support and partnership in the gospel, uh, it will also be credited to, to their account. So this is a very powerful gift, this gift of, of giving. Um, then mercy, the spirit enhanced ability to feel empathy for or compassion for uh, other people and to provide in the needs of those who suffer. Um, I'm just going to mention these last three very quickly. Um, and I specifically mentioned them because they are gifts that, that many people don't think of as gifts. So many people think of the nine gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12 as an exhaustive list. But if you look carefully, you'll see that um, it's definitely not an exhaustive list. Um, there are other gifts as well mentioned in those chapters and, and in other places in the Bible. So one of them I'll mention is, is uh, psalmistry. Um, you know, it talks about when you come together, um, each of you has a hymn. Now, the, the, the word in the Greek is uh, psalmos, which which basically means psalm. Um, and, and I believe this is a spirit-enhanced ability to play musical instruments and to write and or sing anointed songs that reflect God's word and will. Um, in Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 20, it talks about do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit and ministering to one another in, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, in uh, Mark 12, verse 36, we have an example. Let me just read that. Um, 
Mark 12, verse 36 says, um, it says, David himself, speaking by the Spirit, declared, and, and then, he, then he recites, um, Jesus recites a song that David wrote. Okay, and obviously it's a prophetic song. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And that's the Old Testament verse that is most quoted in the New Testament more than 20 times. And on the one hand, obviously the, the prophetic aspect is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I believe the musical aspect of the song is also inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, and um, you have the gift of craftsmanship. That's what I call it. If you, uh, if you go and look at Bezalel's gift in Exodus 31, verse 1 to 5. Um, it talks about, um, here we go. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. Now I've filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, and to cut and set stones and work in wood and uh, to engage in all kinds of crafts. Um, I, I obviously believe my older brother Ferry has, has this gift because it seems to me that the, the way in which he can work with his hands seems supernatural to me. I didn't receive any of that. Um, but um, here is a very practical gift and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, just think about it. God will not give a gift under the old covenant, which he will not give under the new covenant too. And I wonder how many engineers who are, uh, and craftsmen who are particularly gifted uh, you know, as Christians um, in doing things, making things with their hands, actually have this gift of craftsmanship. And then the last one, I, I, I sort of put it in, in sort of tongue-in-cheek here, as super strength. And that's obviously the gift that Samson had, um, the ability when the Holy Spirit came upon him to, to just be very strong. It says the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. And that's just one example of many. And notice that this is not a, it's just a representative list, not an exhaustive list. But hopefully this will give us, um, and I think I'm going to try and stop there. I think I've gone on long enough. A few, quite a few other things that I wanted to say. But um, I think this gives us an idea of how the gifts work. And I just want to give us, I just want to give you a little bit of homework uh, as we end off this, this session for tonight. Um, just want to give you a little bit of homework, if I may. So, so if you, if you have your, uh, please try and have a piece of paper with you, and then I just want you to write down uh, two two things. Firstly, um, write down um, what gifts do you know you have. So, if you have certain gifts, you you know you have those gifts. I want you to write them down. Write down uh, what gifts do you know you have. Number one. Number two or this is actually 1.2, what gifts do you think you have? So these are gifts that you think you possibly have, but you're still uncertain about it. It's not been fully confirmed to you yet. And then thirdly, what gifts do you wish you had? Okay, so those three things, 1.1, what gifts do you know you have? 1.2, what gifts do you think you have? And then number uh, 1.3, what gifts do you wish you had? Just make a list and write them down. And then secondly, I want you to write down the name, uh, names of two people. Okay. One of them must be someone who's pre pretty close to you and who knows you well. Okay. Um, and with, with, with that person, I want to discuss these three things that you wrote down. Just tell them what are the gifts that you think you, that you know you have, the gifts that you think you have, and the gifts that you wish you have. And then ask them whether they can confirm confirm that to you and then try and practice those gifts on that person ask them can i can i practice these gifts on you and 
if, if you have any gifts, can you practice them on me? Okay. And then the, the second name that you write down can be someone that you don't know, but someone that you have relationship with that you can just call and just practice the gifts on them and just say to them, listen, yeah, um, I'm just going to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me to minister to you in some way or another. And I, and I want you to do both of those, the pers- both the person that you know and the person that you don't know so well. Um, and, and be very aware of what you're doing. Um, say to them, listen, I'm just going to try something. Uh, I might get it wrong. And please give me feedback in both cases. Please give me feedback. If Tell me what, what I get right and tell me what I don't get right. Um, and then you just trust the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, just minister through me, manifest yourself through me. Then you pray for them and see what the Holy Spirit does, what the Holy Spirit shows you or how the Holy Spirit guides you. And, um, and, 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 and make a note of it. Uh, sort of press the record button in your mind, if I can put it that way, and see what the Holy Spirit does. Really experience what the Holy Spirit does. Uh, and then, um, you know, come back next time and, and we're going to maybe give some feedback. Um, if you guys want to WhatsApp me or, or send a mail to me and just sort of give me uh, feedback or a testimony of what the Holy Spirit did, then, uh, you know, I, I'd really appreciate that. I'd, I'd really enjoy that, uh, that very much. So that's your homework for next time is just to, to uh, write out those three things and connect with those with two people and to just try out ministering in the gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Great. I hope that was helpful to you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.